What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision Podcast. I am your host, Khaled Abdallah, and I'm joined today by two of my fellow co-hosts, Osama uh, Dahoud. How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. And Salman Huck, what's up, man? How are you? Yo, what's going on, man? So on today's episode, we will be doing a redraft of the 2005 NBA draft. So you've heard a couple of these in the past, probably, uh, with me and Salman or me and Osama, and we've kind of taken turns making picks for each of the teams. But today we're going to be doing a little bit of a different format. So Osama and Salman will take turns making selections for the teams, explaining, you know, maybe they, they stick with the pick that was already made or switch it up a little bit. And what I will do is I will be choosing which pick I prefer of the two. And in case they align, then, of course, each one gets a point, And then we'll see who is the winner at the end. Uh, we'll also be doing a quick segment on honorable mentions at the end and talk about guys that perhaps did not survive the redraft and why that might have been the case. So we will start off with the number one pick in the draft, and that is Andrew Bogut. So the Milwaukee Bucks with the first overall pick selected center Andrew Bogut out of Utah. Solman, who did you have the Bucks picking here? I went with uh, Chris Paul. Uh, he obviously he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. Guy's a twelve-time All Star, eleven-time All NBA team, seven-time All NBA defensive team. I mean, he's just a you know he's just like a true point guard. He's a he's a face of the franchise type of guy. I know he's jumped around a bit, but you know he's just one of the best pure point guard guards out there. And you know who knows maybe the but maybe he gets a ring here with Giannis later on in his career, things like that. But he definitely. Changes the franchise for Milwaukee. Andrew Bogut didn't do that. Good, good player, but you know Chris Paul is just like just a no brainer here in my mind. Okay, and Osama, who did you have going first overall? Yeah, I kept it simple and went with Andrew. But I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I picked Chris Paul as as well. Uh, you know, what's interesting. This Milwaukee Bucks team that would have drafted him was starting TJ Ford at point guard. And he was averaging 12 points a game, six assists. And they were playing Michael Red 39 minutes per game. Uh, so you can argue that Terry Stotts was trying to kill uh, Michael Red. Uh, so CP3 would have been a huge upgrade to the backcourt you know, with Michael Red. Fireworks um, every night. And I think that for any franchise Chris Paul is in, it would have definitely changed their trajectory, right? Who knows what ends up happening with Milwaukee long-term um, because he's so impactful. He ele elevates the play of of everyone around him. Take a team like Oklahoma City. We thought he was going there to be left for dead, and he took them to uh, the play-in through the bubble, right? And they, they made it to the playoffs. So, um, yeah, what else can you say about Chris Paul? He has had some recent you know, redem career redemption, performing well for Phoenix in the postseason. As much as he's been made a bit of a meme online, he's one of the best point guards to ever do it. There's actually a lot you can say about Chris Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know you're positive, him, yeah. <laughs> positive and negative. Uh, you know, this we are a uh, kind of an anti Chris Paul podcast. I guess we can. It's fair to say uh, all three of us are Warriors fans, so we have plenty of feelings and thoughts on Chris Paul. Real but, quick, uh, are we anti-Chris Paul or are we, have we just delighted in defeating him for the last decade? The thing is, <laughs> I, 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 I think we're like anti-Clippers even... more than Chris Paul. I, I love Chris Paul coming in. I love Chris. Then he became a Clipper and I hated him. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I, I remember watching him in that tournament, uh, you know, in the 05 March Madness. I thought he was great. I, I loved watching him. He's he's fun fun guy to, to root for at the time. But I, maybe it is partially the Clippers thing. But even before he was like a Warriors villain, I, I don't remember really appreciating him and really wanting to root for him. I didn't like the shenanigans. But I, maybe he turned up the shenanigans when he was with the Clippers and that team in general was just really unlikable. You know, him, Blake Griffin is not the most popular guy in the league. So And then Doc Rivers, all that on top of each other. So. He was also supposed to be a Laker, so that might have dragged down his morale a little bit for the first few years. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's probably the biggest what if of his career is, you know, what if the uh, Hornets at the time actually had a real owner instead of being owned by the league, and then he ends up with uh, with Kobe and whoever else was on the Lakers, and 
I mean, it doesn't change the fact that he's the best player in this draft, but it probably helps him shed that that loser label that he's kind of been hitched with his whole career. So, well, I mean, he was the number one pick in this draft pretty clearly. So both of you guys get a point here. Uh, so the next overall pick, or the next, not overall pick, just next pick, uh, so the second overall pick, the Atlanta Hawks selected forward Marvin Williams out of the University of North Carolina. Uh, Osama, who did you have the Hawks picking here? I took Williams, uh, but I took Darren Williams uh, here. It was a no-brainer. Um, Darren Williams at his peak was one of the best point guards in the league. Um, I remember in high school just watching the Jazz uh, dismantle the Warriors, uh, and I just really appreciated um, how dominant they were at the time. I loved his beard, too. He had a sharp razor-line beard, and I really wanted that, but at the time, couldn't really grow one. Uh, but no, so I mean, this is a no-brainer. I, I think better player to draft overall. And the Atlanta Hawks at the time only had two point guards on the whole roster, Ty Lu and Royal Ivy. Uh, I'm sure you guys remember the great Royal Ivy. Uh, so this is a roster with Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, Al Harrington, Josh Childress, and Zaza Pachulia. And the Hawks said, you know what? We need another forward. Let's draft Marvin Williams. Uh, so yeah, they, uh, they should have taken Darren Williams. He only went a pick later. His prime was... I mean, he was really good. A smooth facilitator. He was a good finisher at the rim. He adjusted his game later in his career and started to shoot from beyond the perimeter uh, a little bit more. Um, yeah, Darren Williams. No-brainer. That's another no-brainer pick. Uh, Salman, who did you have here? I'm assuming it's the same guy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Darren Williams. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, to all the things Osama said, he, you know, in his prime, he was averaging like 20 and 10 a game, so just second best point guard behind CP3. And I, I know a lot of people coming into this draft debated CP3 versus Daron, but you know, now it's CP3 has won that argument, but Daron was definitely in that conversation for a few years. So yeah, no brainer pick here. Number two. I think it was a legitimate conversation for a while, right? It was for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And then Daron I mean, fell off with the nets and then, then it didn't turn. Then it was like, okay, well now it's CP3 just because he's still playing and he's still putting up numbers. Yeah. And it was almost like a, a battle of styles. Who did you prefer? Did you prefer the you know distributor and Chris Paul? You're like, okay, Darren, Darren Williams. He's a bigger guard. I think he's six four. Chris Paul is, measures in at six foot, but he's probably up less than that. So it became like a, a preference and in, in terms of size and style and things like that. But it, it's pretty clear that Chris Paul has had the better career. He's a better player overall. Uh, but again, Darren Williams makes great sense here. He helped uh, revitalize that Utah franchise. They went pretty deep in the playoffs with him. Things took a left turn in his career with the Nets. I don't know if that's so much on him or management going all in with these older players, bringing in Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. And then, of course, he completely falls off a cliff when he gets to Cleveland and he's supposed to be this, uh, I don't know what, what he was supposed to be on that Cavs team, but he didn't do much of, much of anything. And now his career's over, and I think he's boxing. I think his last professional moment was boxing Frank Gore. Is that right? Was was it? Did he narrowly beat Frank Gore? Is that what happened to him? Did he fight Le'Veon so, Bell? Yeah. Is he okay? <laughs> no, Le'Veon Bell knocked out Adrian Peterson. But uh, yeah, still too celebrity boxing. Uh, but yeah, at his peak, he was incredible. He's another guy I really loved watching in college on that Illinois team with D Brown. That was a special team. I think they went to the national championship that year. But um, yeah, it was surprising yeah, that he was not. Yeah, it was surprising that he wasn't the second overall pick, but he was third, so not like he, he came out of nowhere. So we'll move on to the third overall pick, and speaking of Darren Williams, uh, the Utah Jazz selected Darren Williams out of the University of Illinois, and he is off both of your boards. So, Salman, who did you have the Jazz picking here instead? I went Danny Granger here. I did debate David Lee, but you know the Jazz had Carlos Boozer on the roster, and so I went... Danny Granger, who could probably slide in here at shooting guard for the Jazz and play alongside AK-47. Uh, you know, Granger just in his prime was was a you know a guy who could score. He had he was averaging like 22 points per game and five rebounds a game and shooting like 40 percent from three point line in his like his prime years. And so he's a bucket getter. He's a guy who you know brings a scoring punch here to this Jazz team that has Boozer and AK-47. And you know he just I think if he if he stayed healthier longer, he was probably you know easily maybe top two here, maybe ahead of Daron Williams, but I think he's a solid number three, four guy in this draft, and so I went Danny Granger here. 
Okay. And Asama, who did you have? Yeah, this is where our lists will probably differ quite a bit from here on out. So uh, I took the player drafted 40th overall, and that was Monte Ellis. Uh, so he was drafted by the Warriors much later in this draft. Uh, but the, the Jazz get a point guard that they still very much needed. There's a reason why they took Darren Williams. They already had Carlos Boozer and Mehmet Okor, uh, and then they had Andre Kirilenko. They, already, they actually did go pretty guard heavy in this draft because they needed one. They took Darren Williams, CJ Miles, and Andre Owens. So they were totally screwed. <laughs> the only active point guards on the roster were Keith McLeod and the great Milt Palacio. So I know Monte Ellis had uh, his better years after the Warriors. He also fell off a scooter at one point and missed a little bit of time. Uh, but he, he couldn't play with, with Steph Curry because he needed the ball in his hands. Uh, I know he was an inefficient scorer, uh, but he also played with the Warriors during a really like terrible time where they couldn't really develop him. So he did need to to get away from there. And if he was drafted by a franchise like Utah that needed a guard, I think they could have developed that shooting efficiency of his, and he would have had a much different start to his career. Okay, I love that we're starting to differ here. So I think. Granger, perhaps at his peak, was a better player, uh, but Monte Ellis has a little bit of the durability edge to him, despite the fact that he did have that uh, scooter injury. But I think in general, he was pretty healthy, uh, and aside from the uh, the trade to Milwaukee, I think he probably would have had a longer career in, in uh, Golden State, and that, I wouldn't say derailed his career, but it really changed the trajectory of his career. He joins the Warriors at an interesting time during the We Believe era. He becomes kind of a cult figure in the Bay Area. And I don't remember too many folks. I don't remember how I felt at the time, but I know a lot of folks would have preferred that they trade away Steph Curry over Montalas. We talked about this on the uh, Warriors uh, What If, I think believe it was episode two of the 4040 Vision podcast. Uh, but I think in terms of career longevity, in terms of production, I'm going to go with, with Monte Ellis. He's actually the third leading scorer in this draft class. Uh, Granger's eighth, and he's got about you know 5,000 points less than Monte. So I'm going to give the edge to Usama uh, for this pick. Any uh, objections? I can, I can see that. Um, my only gripe with Monte is like he ends up on the Jazz here. He probably... He's probably, I don't know. I don't know how much Jerry Sloan's playing him, high school guy, you know, coming out of, high, like he's straight out of high school. So I don't know how much play Monte gets here with Jerry Sloan. But that's fair. I can I can live with it. No, no, that's a good point. And he probably doesn't play right away, but he didn't play too much right away with the Warriors. He started, uh, I think, 40 games his rookie year. Or sorry, only three games his rookie year. So he got brought along slowly. Uh, and again, if he's playing maybe in a more disciplined offense, in a more disciplined situation versus playing with Don Nelson, maybe his career turns out a little bit differently. And like Sema said, he, he works on that efficiency and becoming a better player in that regard. So, all right. With the, we're moving on to the uh, fourth overall pick. So the then New Orleans Hornets selected point guard Chris Paul out of Wake Forest. So Chris Paul is not on the board for either of you guys. So, Osama, who did you have the Hornets picking instead? Yeah, I, this, this one is a bit of a curveball. Uh, I went with Andrew Bogut. Um, I, I believe that at the time, the Hornets were starting 36-year-old, 12-year veteran P.J. Brown at center. He was only averaging seven rebounds a game, just two more than little Chris Paul uh, and, and David West. So, uh, Bogut at his peak was, as a defensive anchor, elite. At his peak, he was a elite rim protector. He could screen. Uh, he could pass the ball um, um, in the post. Durability was an issue, but he was an all-team defensive level player when healthy. Um, and it, it might feel like because some of the early years he wasn't around that he rarely played. But during those playoff runs before the Kevin Durant year, he was available, especially in the postseason. He played. Uh, and I remember that Denver series in San Antonio, he was instrumental in getting past Memphis in their first championship run against a very difficult Marcus Old, Zach Randolph-led Grizzlies team. 
Um, the Hornets as a defense would have been so much stronger. They ranked 19th in defensive rating, and they could have used Bogut. Um, it's hard to come across. So far, we haven't had much defense in this draft. If you're looking for that, um, at one point in his peak, Bogut was an excellent defender, and, and this would be, if you're looking for defense, a solid pick. Okay, and so Mon, who did you have the Hornets pick? I went, I went in an opposite direction. I went for more offense here for the Hornets. I took Lou Williams. Um, you know, Lou Williams is a guy who can just come in and score. And I think the Hornets really didn't have anyone that could score outside of David West. And you know, CP3 obviously was drafted by them for that reason as well. But you know, Lou Williams is a guy who's been you know sixth man of the year three times. He's in his best seasons. He's averaged like 19 points per game and five assists off the bench. And he's played like. He played 16 years here in the NBA, and so I thought, you know, guy that can come in and score for the Hornets. They obviously had some needs both on offense and defense, and Lou Williams made more sense to me here over maybe Monte, just because he, you know, played 16 years, so a little bit longer than what Monte did. But to me, both very similar type guys, so I went Lou Williams. Okay, I, I can see that. I think my issue with Lou Williams is I think he was another uh, straight out of high school kid, another second round pick. Uh, so I think if you are picking at the top of the draft, I think you want to go with somebody that's a little bit more pro-ready. And I think that's why I would lean towards Andrew Bogut. He was able to come in and contribute right away. He was never much of an offensive force. But at his, his best year with Milwaukee, he was averaging I believe, 15 and 10. Uh, so Or 16 and 10, I'm sorry. So he had he didn't have much you know post moves or anything like that, much creativity in the, in the post, and he wasn't the most skilled player. But I think he was a more immediate contributor than Lou Williams. I think we've seen Lou Williams in a starting role. And when he's asked to carry a team, I think that's where he struggles. He's he's perfect in his role. He's like the ultimate sixth man. Uh, I think when you're picking at this point in the draft, I think, you again, you want somebody that's going to be able to contribute and kind of lead your team. So for the second pick in a row, I'm going to go with uh, Osama picking Andrew Bogut over I'm I'm sensing a Warriors bias here, Khalid. I, I, you're just you know <laughs> going with the guy, the guy who picked the ex Warriors. That's that's what I'm sensing here. I mean, the thing is, uh, Bogut has become kind of a punchline, but there's a reason that they basically I, in in the 2016 Finals, once he was out, they basically the the Cavs basically had a, a free run at the basket, right? There's yeah, a I mean, reason I think, that I, I mean, think he he revived himself with the Warriors a bit. Like he became he kind of changed himself, and like with the Warriors, he just like people are like, oh man, he's like a like you really saw how good of a defensive player he was with the Warriors. Maybe you didn't get that sense with of him in in Milwaukee, but definitely on the Warriors, you're like, damn, this guy is a defensive stopper. Yeah, I mean, he was all defense team in fourteen fifteen, uh, so it's not like he wasn't recognized for for yeah. what he was doing. Um, mm-hmm. But he's definitely he, he's probably uh, not really a bust, but definitely fell short of expectations as the number one overall pick. I think he was expected to transform that Milwaukee franchise but ultimately he had a good career he was you know productive for the Warriors and of course a big part of that that title team so all right so okay so we'll move on to the fifth overall pick and with the fifth overall pick the Charlotte Bobcats so not the Charlotte Hornets selected point guard Raymond Felton out of UNC Uh, Osama who did you have the Bobcats picking here yeah, I, I went for uh, longevity here. I went with Lou Williams. He's still playing <laughs> 1,100 games, over 1,100 games. Arguably, they should when he's all done, they should call the Sixth Man of the Year award after him um, because he was the ultimate spark plug off the bench, elite at getting to the line. If you're not, uh, you know, he, if it doesn't play for your team, maybe to a frustrating degree, but a great finisher at the rim. His floater had such a has such a beautiful touch. Uh, he was drafted by a Philly team that was already starting Allen Iverson. So the Bobcats drafted Raymond Felton. So taking Lou Williams instead uh, gives him more opportunity in his career than he started with. He started off the bench. He didn't have many opportunities in his career to start because of where he was drafted. I know he was drafted really young. Uh, Bobcats needed a guard. Sweet Lou would have been, I think, more impactful than Raymond Felton in uh, his inevitable short time because Lou Will was a bit of a journeyman, uh, but he was a great talent everywhere he went. I, I, this would have been a great pick for the Bobcats. And again, one of the best six men of all time. 
Okay, so Mon, who did you have the Bobcats picking? I went with David Lee. The Bobcats badly needed a power forward, and later in this draft they took Sean May, but they were starting like Melvin Eli and Lonnie Baxter, and so they needed a power forward badly, and David Lee is uh, probably one of the best here in the draft. He's a three-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA third team, and in, in some of his prime years he was averaging 20 points per game, 11 rebounds, and he played a solid 12 years in the league, and so out of which you know five or six were you know really good years for him. And so definitely a big upgrade here for the Bobcats. They don't draft Sean May, who was a big bust. And, you know, he's a guy who comes in and contributes for the Bobcats. So I, for some of the same reasons that I thought that uh, Andrew Bogut made more sense with the fourth overall pick to the Hornets, I'm going to go again with David Lee. You can accuse me, Soman, once again, of anti-warrior. No, this time I'm not accusing accusing you of anything. Yeah, but it's pro You're voting in my favor, I'm not accusing you of it. Pro Warriors bias. Again, I, I love Lou Williams. Uh, I love what he brings to the table. He's one of the most skilled offensive guards we've had in this era. His longevity is incredible. Maybe some of that longevity has to do with the fact that he's not usually starting games. So he's able to kind of conserve his energy and all that. Uh, so uh, David Lee, he's an interesting player because I think he's most known in his career for being benched in favor of Draymond, and that's kind of what, what he's most known for. And, but for a long time, he was a really good player. I mean, this guy was the 30th overall pick. He was an all-star with the Knicks. Maybe you can, can accuse him kind of being an empty calories guy. But at his peak, he's another guy that was, you know, 20 and 10. He was 20 and 11 for a few years with the Knicks. He was part of the revitalization of the Warriors, the rebirth so to speak, of the Warriors with, with Steph Curry in that this era. So I think he deserves a little more credit for that. So for those reasons, I'm going to go with uh, Salman and David Lee. So any objections to that pick? Or that, I think uh, we should just award. keep picking players that played for the Warriors and we'll get the point. I think that's what... Is there anyone else on the, that played for the we're Warriors? we're running out of ex-Warriors here now. <laughs> There's more than you think. I'm looking down the list. There's uh, quite a few guys. So that, just wait. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll do a quick check at this. So at the fifth overall pick, it's uh, four to three in favor of Osama. So we'll move on to the sixth overall pick, and that is Martel Webster. So the Portland Trailblazers selected Martel Webster, sixth overall. So, so Mon, who did you have them picking here? Yeah, here I went Monte Ellis, and obviously Monte is definitely a you know top. 10 guy here in this draft he's a guy you know who can score 20 plus a game any given night and the trailblazers here were starting guys like juan dixon steve blake so monte would have definitely came in here uh he would have complimented zach randolph here and they were you know they were i think at this time they were trying to go away from being the jailblazers and really becoming a much better franchise um and you know maybe he becomes a face of this like trailblazers franchise as he did for the warriors for a few years and he becomes a beloved figure down there in portland with his scoring abilities. Okay. And Asama, who did you have him going with? I'm going for the win. I picked Jarrett Jack. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> another warrior. Uh, Danny Granger, uh, a.k.a. Batman, a.k.a. The Gift. Excellent nicknames. He only played 586 games. It's probably ranked near the bottom half of the this list, especially in the lottery side. Um, but at his peak, one of the top small forwards in the league. Uh, he was a talented scorer, quick release. He could light up the scoreboard. I know injuries kind of uh, hindered his career in, in the second half. He did get an all-star appearance because he was so solid in his early days in Indiana. Um, and he actually had a nice swan song in Miami. He played a ton of games at the end of his career before he retired uh, for the Miami Heat. Uh, I know the Blazers had several forwards on the team at the time, but none that would have stood out with the production of Batman. He was, I don't want to say he was an instrumental part of those Indiana teams that went against Miami because he wasn't, I don't think he was playing all that much, but he was a, a pretty big part of those teams. And that's, I think, the memory I most associate with him. But I do think that for this team, for this Portland team, because you said they had, they had all those forwards, uh, Zach Randolph, Theo Ratliff, Travis Outlaw. Like they had some 
decent guys, especially Zach Randolph, probably the best of the bunch. Uh, so for that reason, I think that they needed another scorer off the bench. They needed another guard to run with Steve Blake, and they ended up picking Jared Jack later in this draft outside of the lottery. Uh, so I think they needed that guy. They needed the point guard. So I think that's why they uh, it makes sense to have Monte on here. So I'm going to go once again with, with Solman uh, picking Monte Ellis over Danny Granger for the Blazers. So any objections? Another warrior selected. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there's a theme here. Maybe there's a theme here. I, I like Monte a lot as a player, but I think he makes sense on this team. Uh, maybe he doesn't, he, he's never got really gotten in trouble, so it's not like he would have been another one of the, the Dale Blazer types. It's not like Danny Granger did either. But I just think for for this team, I think he makes more sense. Okay. All right, we're starting to get interesting here. Uh, so, with the seventh overall pick, the Toronto Raptors selected Charlie Villanueva out of UConn. So, uh, Osama, who did you have the Raptors picking here? Charlie Villanueva is such a funny name now. Uh, I took Marvin Williams. Uh, he was drafted really young. Um, do you believe he retired at 33? <laughs> he was, and I feel like he was in the league forever. Uh, similar to Lou Williams, a lot of longevity, even though he never quite made that leap to the elite of the elite. He played very consistently. He was super durable. These are both things that are really hard to find uh, in the NBA. And he wasn't really a bad contributor anywhere he played. His numbers were always pretty good. He just never hit that, like, this is the guy you want in a playoff series level. Uh, but, it, you know, when he retired, it was still pretty surprising. He was producing for Milwaukee. He had some good years in Charlotte. Um, I think the Raptors just took the wrong forward here. Instead of Charlie Villanueva, they get solid, consistent scoring from Marvin Williams to compliment Chris Bosh. Uh, he was drafted way too high, but this is a good spot for him. Okay. And so, Mon, who did you have the Raptors pick? I had them going Andrew Bogut here, actually. And so I thought, you know, you, you draft a guy like Bogut, you move Bosch down to the power forward, and you got a pretty solid friend, uh, friend court there. And, you know, Bogut, you know, definitely complements Bosch's playing style. He's a defensive player. He could pass out of the post, do things like that. And so, you know, he's a guy that really would complement Chris Bosch there in uh, Toronto and really give him a really nice friend court there. No concerns about clogging things up. For Chris, uh, for Chris Bosh. I know this was a long time ago. The NBA was this very the, this different. This is the, still the era of the big man, Khaled. So I, I think, you know, just because Bogut is able to kind of operate out of the post and, you know, Bosh, we know, could shoot the ball, things like that, I thought they would have play, play off each other really well. Okay. Yeah, you guys are going to kill me for this one. But Bogut is the, the winner here. Uh, and Salman, I think he just, he makes sense. He makes more sense, right? Uh, this is a different era. If this was 2022 and we had... Prime Andrew Bogut and prime Chris Bosh. Well, maybe Chris Bosh is just a stretch four, so it's not a big deal, and he plays more like, uh, I don't know, Anthony Davis than uh, anybody else. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Andrew Bogut. He makes sense. He gives them uh, a bit more of a spine here. I think maybe they, they could have gone with a guard because they were their starting backcourt was pretty horrible, but you can build on that, and I think going with uh, Bogut in this position makes sense. Uh, any objections? You're really committing to the bit at this point. <laughs> I promise it's not a bit. I swear. Uh, so, Mon, all right. So you are ahead now, five to four. Uh, so we'll move on to the eighth overall pick. And the eighth overall pick was Channing Fry. So the New York Knicks selected forward Channing Fry out of Arizona. So, Solman, who did you have them picking here? I had them picking Marcin Gortat. And the aka the Polish Hammer. So at this time, the Knicks are starting like Eddie Curry at center. Maybe they had Jerome James on the roster, guys like that. And you know, Gortat was probably the next best center here uh, in this draft. You know, in his in his prime, he was a guy who could give you you know fourteen points a game, nine rebounds, things like that. And so definitely just an upgrade here for the Knicks at center, who were hurting at that position. And you know, they never have to play, watch, pay Eddie Curry or play Eddie Curry either one. And they can just, you know, move on and have a solid guy like Gortat in there. Okay. Samuel, who did you have them picking? 
Yeah, I went with uh, Ersan Ilyasova here. Um, I think the Knicks should have taken him. They took Channing Fry, who was a similar player. I think Ilyasova had more to offer. Fry takes a huge hit on his defensive ability. And his game aged very well as a stretch four, the age of small ball, evolved in the 2010s. He played in Spain for a few years, and it showed. He came back a distributor. He could handle the ball. He was really good at creating shots for himself. Uh, it was a young Knicks team looking for depth in in the front court. He would have been a great contributor to this team. And he played in, in the league for a long time. They both played 13 years. Or sorry, 12 years for Gortat, who was a second-round pick by the Phoenix Suns, and uh, 13 for Ilyasova, who was also a second-round pick, but for the Milwaukee Bucks. So, Sama, you went out here. You're lucky because I love Ersan Ilyasova. I have an irrational love for this guy as a player. Uh, I watched him a lot. He spent, I believe it was a, a year and a half in Philadelphia. And I just, I fell in love with the guy. Maybe it was just a year. Uh, and I thought he was, he's just a, like a jack of all trades type guy, right? He can defend a lot of positions. He can stretch the floor. Uh, he's the king of taking charges. I think him and, when I think of guys taking charges, I think of him and Kyle Lowry as just like absolute <laughs> pests. So for that reason and that reason alone, uh, Gortat is great. Don't get me wrong. He is the second leading rebounder in this class. Uh, but Ilyasova is kind of hanging around in a little bit more categories uh, with assists, points, all that stuff. Uh, Gortat was a starter for a while, I believe, in Orlando next to Dwight Howard. Uh, and Ilyasova was more of a, a bench guy. But I, I just really like him as a player. I think he's a he contributes to a winning winning team. So any objections here? Gortat also started on the Wizards. Um, yes, one objection. I feel like you just took Ilyasova because he was Turkish. That is totally false. That's a false accusation. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't it, hurt. By the way, the bit continues because Khaled was a season ticket holder for the Sixers and watched Ilyasova on a nightly basis, and that's why he was favored here. So he didn't play for the Warriors, but played for a team the second favorite team. very frequently. <laughs> that, that's fair. I, I, I mean, I, that's, again, one of the main reasons I really like him as a player is because I got to watch him a lot. I really like Gortat. Don't get me wrong. I think he's great. And, again, he was also part of a winning atmosphere in Orlando. But I think uh, Ilyasova is just a more versatile player. And because of that, I'm, I'm giving a sound of the point here. So, uh, all right. With the ninth overall pick, ugh, this is gross, the Golden State Warriors selected forward Ike Diogu out of Arizona State. So, Sama, who did you have the Warriors picking here? Uh, <laughs> David Lee. <laughs> um, I would have picked David Lee a lot higher on this list. You know, all-star, great contributor for, for Golden State during the championship run. Uh, had a great peak with, with the Knicks. He had, the year he was an all-star, his win shares were over, I think, 10%, which is incredible. He showed a great ability to get to the rim and finish. He was a double-double machine, like you said. Great playmaking ability. All noticeable during that All-Star season. Uh, I don't want to rehash too much. You mentioned the Draymond Green thing, taking his job. Uh, but the reason why Draymond Green took his job is, you know, he drops for me, and I think for Sulman because of that lack of defense. So uh, Draymond Green took his job because he was a significantly better defender and could distribute the ball. Uh, at the same level. Uh, he also wasn't really a threat protecting the rim. I think that's what dropped him off so far on this redraft. So David Lee still would have been a great pick, and, and he still ends up on the Warriors after all. Yeah, he just ends up there a few years earlier than expected. Uh, Soman, who did you have the Warriors using the ninth overall pick on? I mean, at this point, I know Osama's going to get the point here, but I went Marvin Williams. You know, uh, like Osama said, you know, overall solid player. I know. I know. There's a lot of hype coming around, coming in with him in terms of like, oh, he's this athletic guy. You could do a lot of things, but I think he just never figured out how to shoot pretty well. But he played a long time in the NBA. Had played about 14 years here, and he had, in his best seasons he averaged 14.8 points per game, 5.7 rebounds. So I think he would have just, you know, had that nice role with the Warriors as a small ball power forward and. You know, Don Nelson could have unlocked him a little bit in terms of just, you know, having him run out there in transition and really bring the ball up as a small ball guy. And I think that would have been a really good fit for him with the dubs. 
Okay, I feel like I'm being trolled a little bit by you guys, but it is David Lee. I mean, he makes sense. And he is, he's just like a, an old school big man, right? He had the post moves, he was smooth, he had the drop step, he could do all that good stuff. And I think him getting benched in favor of Draymond, again, like Isama said, it, it was the defense, he wasn't much of a rim protector, but it was also kind of the transition from the NBA that we grew up watching with like two big men, a lot of, you know, the inside out game to the complete opposite, right? Where you go with everything is outside in, you have, you're expecting more from your bigs. You're, with David Lee, we're not expecting him to run the offense. Like he's the nail, not the hammer. With Draymond, he's the one that's setting everything up. And I think that's in general, that's the expectation now from our bigs. And I think, but in this Exactly. In this situation, if he does go to the, the We Believe Warriors, I think he does make sense because he's able to play that small ball center. You know, the Warriors were kind of on the, the cutting edge of that curve of everybody on the court was like between 6'2 and 6'8, unless you include, uh, what's his name, Monte Ellis, where he was on the smaller side. But everybody was kind of around the same height. Everybody's switching. You're not too concerned with defense. You're just shooting and rebounding and, and kind of hoping for the best. And I think he does fit because he was a mobile big. But he just he, he didn't he could never shoot. But I think he does make sense for the Warriors, and I think he would have been a, a great fit on this team. So, uh, any objections? Khalid, imagine this lineup: Al Harrington, Marvin Williams, Stephen Jackson, Baron Davis, Montellus. That's much better than putting David Lee in that mix. I disagree, but okay. Damn. All right, <laughs> I had to I had to shoot my shot there. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, all right, so with the tenth overall pick, the Los Angeles Lakers selected center Andrew Bynum out of high school. Uh, so, Soman, who did you have the Lakers picking here? I maybe went for a bit of a stretch here, but I went Amir Johnson. I know the Lakers were looking for this big after Shaquille O'Neal left, and you know, Amir Johnson, just you know, a solid rotational big could play power forward, could play center. He could do a little bit of everything, rebound, score, play defense, um, and, and just a guy who was relatively healthy and played a decent amount in the NBA versus Andrew Bynum. And so I thought Amir Johnson made a little bit more sense here for the Lakers, uh, and, and that's the only other big that really came to mind for me. So I took Amir Johnson here. Okay. Usama, who did you have the Lakers take? I disagree. I thought the Lakers made the right choice by selecting Andrew Bynum from the beginning. Uh, I think that uh, they made the right choice either way. His peak didn't last as long as I'm sure they would have hoped, but those three straight years they went to the finals, he was a guy Kobe Bryant could really depend on. He was huge at the time. And paired with Pal Gasol, they were probably the top, one of the top front court duos in the league. And he was an all-star because of the impact that he made during that peak. I think he deserves to be here at 10. I know he was unfortunately a bit injury prone, uh, but just the way this ended up working out for the Lakers and how his potential was, was tapped during this, this peak, uh, Lakers made the right move here. I 100% agree. Listen, Amir Johnson is great. He played in the league for a long time. He was, uh, I think he played for almost 13, 14 years, but it's Amir Johnson. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like he's giving you guys... ten. He's giving you ten points a night, Colin. What is Andrew Bynum giving you? Like five games a season with twenty and ten. That's I'll take Amir Johnson. Rings. Games with he's, 10 he's, and 10. he's giving you rings. So you could have won it, a it, ring it, with Amir Johnson, man. I don't. I, I don't think Andrew Bynum was that crucial. So I, in this position, I think what you are discussing or what the philosophical argument is: Do I want? 10 years or 15 years, whatever, of like mid, you know, average play, a guy who's who kind of knows what, what to do, be in the right places, whatever. Or am I rolling the dice and taking, you know, five years of greatness or close to greatness? I know it sounds ridiculous. I, I, mean, I would say it was that. more like two years for Andrew Bynum. Okay, two or three years. years. Like I think, I think in eight seasons he played maybe one year of 80 games. And the most rest of the yeah, seasons, but, he played like 55, maybe. Yeah. That is absolutely correct. Uh, there was a few uh, a three-year stretch where he played 65, 54, and 60 games. And then his he blew out his knee, and then it, uh, that was the end of that. 
he was immature. He had a lot of uh, off-court issues, things like that. I think part of it had to do with playing in the pressure cooker that was the Lakers with, with Kobe and everything that, that came with it. But once again, he was an all-star in 2011-12 season. He was an all-NBA player. That is, that's nothing, that's something that you have to acknowledge. Like he was one of the right, that's 15 fair. That's fair, you got me with all NBA. NBA. I didn't, yeah. You got me with all NBA. I'll give you that. Yeah, so for, for all the jokes that we can throw about Andrew Bynum with his weird haircut in Philly and the way he clotheslined, uh, what's his name, J.J. Barea on the way out of the uh Did he, the, did he the, also steal like bowling shoes or something when he was in Philly? Like he, he went like stole bowling shoes from a bowling alley or something in Philly. He did some. He was doing the weird stuff. He was doing the weirdest stuff, and he had the crazy haircut and all these things. So, yeah. his immaturity is definitely a factor. But I, I I would roll the dice, and again with maybe with the benefit of hindsight, we can maybe take a little better care of this guy. Maybe give him more I don't know uh, mentorship coming up, so he doesn't end up down this road. But I think that you would trade. A couple years of Andrew Bynum being the best big man in the NBA versus what you get from Amir Johnson. So again, uh, no offense to Amir Johnson, though I think was a, a, a fine player. <laughs> he was fine. But, and I can't even claim warrior bias here, Colin. So no, this it's the complete so opposite. Because uh, again, Amir Johnson was on the Sixers during that that year uh, or the years I lived in Philly. So I I really appreciated what he did. Uh, you, I actually, you watched them. Yeah, you watched him closely. Dang, I do. Did I have his really? Raptors wow. jersey okay. from, uh, I bought it from Ross for $15.99. So go near Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with the 11th overall pick, the Orlando Magic selected Fran Vasquez. Uh, Sama, who did you have the Magic picking here? Yeah, I saw that uh, Suleiman picked Amir Johnson in the last round. They just The Magic should have taken him here. Uh, I, I love him taken here and being paired with a very young Dwight Howard. Uh, this would have been a steal, too. I mean, friend Vasquez was just the wrong move. Uh, Amir Johnson played 14 seasons, and his early years would have been just so more uh, impactful than they were. He was drafted by a Detroit Pistons team already starting Ben and Rashid Wallace. Uh, the, his, the outcome of his career early on in his development would have been significantly different had he been taken by the Magic. Um, so I, I think this would have been very interesting. I, I like him here. And Salman, who did you have the magic picking? I went with Ilyasova, your son Ilyasova here. Obviously, a great shooter, could do a lot of other things. But, you know, the magic had shooters, and they, they kind of started developing around Dwight, like guys who could shoot. And so Ilyasova is just another player who comes in and can do that. Um, and he had a solid 11-year career. And so I think he's a nice fit there with, you know, Hidu Turgulu, Jameer Nelson, Pat Garrity, and Rashard Lewis, who comes in later as well. So he's just a nice piece there for the magic. I like it. I like it a lot. I saw Osama react uh, negatively to that selection because he knew that Salman was going to win this one. Uh, again, all respect to Amir Johnson. Uh, I know maybe his career goes a little bit differently if he is not selected by uh, the Pistons and you know he's not playing behind those two good, two great players. Um, I do think that Ilyasova, for all the reasons that I thought he would have been a good fit uh, elsewhere, I think he makes perfect sense here. So. The, the Magic were another team that had, that were a little bit, took a little bit of a different approach to, to things, right? With uh, the way they were building out the team. And they had, they figured out at some point that if we put Dwight Howard on the court with four shooters and four guys that can distribute the ball, then that's a recipe for success. And I think Ilyasova fits that regard or fits that, you know, position pretty well. Uh, he was a decent three point shooter in his career, versatile defender. Uh, I don't know necessarily if you want him operating the offense, but you also, are not worried, you know, if he gets the ball at the top of the key with like eight seconds left on the shot clock. Like you, you think something positive might happen, which which is something that, you know, with your Johnson, you're not really expecting. He's just going to be a good, solid backup to Dwight Howard, I think, is his ceiling. So I'm going to give the point to Solman for this one. Uh, any objections? He would have been a great backup behind Dwight Howard. <laughs> There you go. All right, so slight objections. Okay, so with the 12th overall pick, the Los Angeles Clippers selected Yaroslav Korolev. Uh, Soman, who did you have the Clippers selecting here? I went Andrew Bynum here. 
again, you know, obviously we, we were discussing him and all that stuff. Talented guy, just couldn't stay healthy. And but you know, in some of his bet in in his prime seasons, he was averaging eighteen points, eleven and a half rebounds, things like that. And I think you know, going to a team like the Clippers, where he can maybe uh, play a little less minutes because they have Chris Kamen, Elton Brand. He he has more chances to stay healthy and you know play a little bit longer here in the NBA. But again, he he's a solid guy and solid contributor, and he would have played really well here on the Clippers. Okay, interesting. All right, Sama, who did you have the Clippers picking? Yeah, I, I think that Andrew Bynum shouldn't have gone to the other LA team. I'm going to attack your pick a little bit, Sulaiman. Uh, I, I, I took Raymond Felton here. Um, I can't help but think every time I think about Raymond Felton, when he used to appear in Portland, they would boo him because they thought he showed up really fat when he played there. So every time he was there, they'd be like, boo, fatty, Raymond Felton. Um, anyway, yeah, he, he dropped from, what is it, like five to like 12 here. Um, He's just overdrafted, but I mean, based the, looking at who the Clippers drafted, this was a much better choice. Korolev only played 168 minutes in the NBA. Um, so at the time, uh, they had a very injury-prone Sean Livingston and 12-year vet Sam Cassell. So Raymond Felton very much needed. He played 971 games. So again, durability, longevity, very hard to come by. This is a great spot for him. So I, I know that I was in favor of the Andrew Bynum pick to the Lakers, um, but I think I'm going to lean towards Raymond Felton for the following reasons. So we talked about a few uh, a few pods back. Someone we did we talked about uh, Michael Ola Candy, right? And when he went to the Clippers, and this is a very similar situation where I think the lack of player development on the Clippers, the lack of a true culture, the lack of good ownership, and you know, one of the worst owners in the history of sports. I think all of these things would have contributed to Andrew Bynum flaming out way earlier than he actually did, even though he already had a short career. I think if he goes to the Clippers, even if he's just I mean, he's the twelfth overall pick and like he's he's a top five pick, I think playing with Kobe and those expectations, while it might have kind of ground him down, I think it's still forced him to be the best version of himself. And if he goes to the Clippers where I know they had a solid team and he would have played behind some two, two pretty good players in Cayman and Elton Brand, but I think he just he wouldn't have been the same player because again, they don't have that infrastructure in place and they don't have that that team culture. So Raymond Felton, I know I think his the main issue with Raymond Felton is he has like a serious case of fat face. So I think of him, I think of <laughs> And him he loves donuts like, apparently. And he loves donuts. <laughs> I think of him and like like Ben Roethlisberger, like even when Big Ben like was in shape, he just had a big face. He had a fat face, so people always thought he was bigger than he was. And he was kind of you know he's a heftier point guard, uh, but if he was out of shape, he would have had a career like Baron Davis. If he was out of shape, he would have been out of the league in you know five six years. But instead, he plays until he's thirty four. Like Sam said, he plays nine hundred seventy one games. He starts six hundred fifty nine games. He was overdrafted, but he's top five in this class in points or in, in minutes. Uh, and he's kind of, he, he's, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's fifth in minutes. He is seventh in points and third in assists. So he does get, get some credit for that longevity. So uh, any objections here to uh, Osama getting the point for Raymond Felton? When the Clippers drafted DeAndre Jordan three years later, was CP on the team? Or CP CP came after, CP came after. I believe he was. CP three was on the team when they drafted DeAndre Jordan. I can fact check that, but I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, I just want to say they drafted DeAndre Jordan three years later, and he turned out fine. So. But, but again, to your point, Bynum Bynum was a bit of a knucklehead, things like that, and Jordan was more of a professional guy. So I'll yeah, I'll he never it. had I'll maturity issues with with DeAndre Jordan. Again, that was a different Clippers team. Maybe if it's 2009, 2010, then sure. Because, again, yeah. I mean, Chris Paul would have whipped him into shape the same way that Kobe did. So, uh, yeah. yeah. You don't, don't think Sam Cassell would have done that for him? Uh, Sam Cassell, I mean, he's, he's okay. He's decent. He's a longtime vet. But I don't think he has the same cachet as yeah, Chris Paul or fair. Kobe. He's not an all-time great. Yeah. As much as we hate on Chris Paul, he, was the first, he would have been the first overall pick in this draft. One of the best point guards ever. So, all right. Uh, so with the final two picks coming up, 
Uh, Osama is leading eight to six. So we'll see if uh, someone can mount a comeback and tie things up here. So with the third overall pick, the then Charlotte Bobcats selected the aforementioned Sean May, uh, forward out of UNC. So, Sama, who did you have the Bobcats using their second lottery pick on? Yeah, it gets pretty slim from here, uh, obviously. Um, I picked Gerald Green, uh, who I wanted to check to see if he had a nickname. Surprisingly, uh, no nickname for this guy. Uh, he spent most of his years coming off the bench. He started maybe half of the games for the Phoenix Suns in the 2013-14 season. Otherwise, a career backup shooting guard. He could really fly, right? He won the dunk contest in, in 2007. Uh, the main knock on him was his shooting. He was probably the streakiest shooter uh, that I think out of everyone that we've selected here. Uh, but he was dra drafted on a Boston Celtics team that was kind of all over the place in talent. They could have used him scoring off the bench. It did make sense. So he now appears in this draft with Lou Williams on my version of the draft on the Bobcats, which would have made it for a hell of a heat check backcourt, if you ask me. Um, so I, I, I like Gerald Green here. And Soman, who did you have uh, the Bobcats picking? I actually had the Bobcats going Raymond Felton here. So, you know, they obviously they needed a point guard, and Felton is probably the best one left here on the board for me. Solid rotational guy. You know, obviously not worthy taking being taken top five here, but, you know, at the end of the lottery, he's a guy you could take. He played a lot of seasons, a lot of games. He averaged 15.5 points per game in his prime and eight assists. And so, you know, just he's a good point guard, not a great point guard. And, you know, he's better than playing guys like Brevin Knight and Kevin Burleson, who I don't even know who that is. Um, so, you know, I think Felton made a lot of sense here for the Bobcats, just not at five, but here at 13, he makes a lot of sense for the team. I completely agree. Uh, I'm sorry, Sam, I do not see it with Gerald Green. Um, I don't think he is worthy of being a lottery pick. Um, he could fly. He could, he, that's, but that's all he was, right? He was... Uh, I think the most memorable thing about him was, aside from the dunk contest, he had, I think he has nine fingers, like nine and a half. Uh, I don't know why I know that, but I do. Uh, and I just, I don't see it, man. He was always okay. He was a, He's a career 36% three-point shooter, but I don't think he is going to contribute much to a winning team. I know he was on those Rockets teams, the CP3, uh, James Harden Rockets teams, but he was just a bit part player at that point in his career. And I think... In uh, Salman's world, where the Bobcats picked David Lee and Raymond Felton, I think that's a pretty potent combination. That's a good two-man game there. Uh, and I talked about talked up Raymond Felton quite a bit in the last uh, the last pick. So I do like him as a player. I don't think he was again like Salman said. He's not a great player, but he was always pretty good. And I think with the thirteenth overall pick, you settle for pretty good versus whatever Gerald Green is, which I don't think is pretty good. So any objections? I mean, what other choices did I have left? I mean, <laughs> you, had, you, well, had, we'll you had better choices than Gerald Green. You had better. Yes, choices. you did. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. This was, I was just looking. I was like, nah, nah. It was almost like you just thought about, okay, who's the most memorable guy here? And you're like, you know what? Gerald Green used to dunk a lot, and he. <laughs> that's about it. So. <laughs> Uh, I think you just you, you you got lazy there with that pick. I'll say that's a lazy pick. How about that? Uh, okay, so with the last pick of the 2005 NBA Draft Lottery, the Minnesota Timberwolves picked uh, guard Rashad McCants out of UNC. I really like him as a player, mostly for fantasy reasons. I think he won me a fantasy uh, trophy or title back in college. So, uh, Salman, who did you have the Timberwolves picking here? I did not have him sticking with Rashad McCants. I actually had him going slightly different direction here and taking Jared Jack. Uh, just, you know, a guy who could just come off the bench and really score for you. And, you know, in his prime, he was giving you about 15 a game and five or six assists a game. And so just, you know, Jared Jack, solid bench scorer, you know, former Warrior, was really great off the bench for the Warriors as well. And so, you know, just another guy that, you know, I think would have came in and contributed for the Wolves. And <clears throat> Rashad McCants was... Uh, a guy who did it for a little bit of time, but Jared Jack did it for much longer. I know what you're trying to do here, but uh, <laughs> Sama, who did you have the Timberwolves picking? Well, I picked someone that also played for the Warriors, Nate Robinson. 
Union City, California's very own Nate Robinson. We went to the same high school, <laughs> a.k.a. Crypto Nate. I don't know how new that nickname is, but I like it. Uh, at 5'9", you know, best hops probably of his, at his height of all time, right? Given he hopped over somebody massive like Shaq or Dwight Howard and in the dunk contest. Uh, he was drafted by the Knicks. They were playing nine-year, soon to lose his mind, unfortunately, Stephon Marbury. Uh, so he was the only other point guard on the team. It would have been a great pick. Uh, he was picked by the Knicks. It was a good pick. That So they drafted McCants. He only played 249 games in the league. So the collection of point guards were high in quantity, but they ended up always lacking in quality for Minnesota. The, he would have brought it, uh, a much-needed boost to their backcourt. Um, and, you know, they were hoarding guards. They didn't really give Kevin Garnett much to feel like they were doing everything they could to help him. Uh, Nate was a great spark plug off the bench. Streaky, but, you know, a fun hooper. Uh, became a journeyman. He was a bit all over the place because his talents were were great if you were just looking for a little backcourt depth. So, yeah, love Nate. Dang, I think you're going to get the point, Osama. That's my prediction. You, uh, Your prediction is wrong. Uh, so, again, you guys cannot accuse me of anti-warrior or pro-warriors bias because, as you said, both of these guys did play uh, for the Warriors at some point in their careers. Uh, but I would prefer Jared Jack in this position. Oh, that's uh, ridiculous. Asinine. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought Holly had, had, would have more love for Nate Robb, so I, I guess I was wrong. He liked, liked Jared Jack. I do love Nate Robinson. Don't get me wrong. I thought he was great. Yeah, he was a lot enough. of fun to watch. I love him enough. <laughs> He's, you know, uh, a good bench scorer, but I think everything that Nate Robinson does – Jared Jack does a little bit better uh, with the exception of, of three point shooting. Cause I think uh, Nate Robinson's like point like 1.5% better in his career. But I think Jared Jack is, uh, he's, he's bigger. So he's a you know, better defender than Nate Robinson. Uh, he's had a longer career than Nate Robinson. He has 3000 more points, a thousand more rebounds and almost 2000 more assists over their careers. And he only played, 200 more games than, than Nate Robinson. So I think for longevity, I think for overall talent, for everything that he brings to the team, I'm going to lean towards Jared Jack. So that actually ties things up. So it's kind of boring, but both of you guys uh, finished with eight points. But can Jared Jack jump, though? He can't he jump over to. Dwight Howard, he but he can to. jump. <laughs> no, he doesn't need to jump over that, But can he jump, though? I, he can't. I'll say that. No one remembers him. Does Nate Robinson have the shoe collection that Jared Jack has? Jared Jack has. Like, I don't know. He's, he's apparently the biggest shoe collector <laughs> in the NBA alongside PJ Tucker. That's 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 the other thing about Jared Jack. See, so. that's that's the brand awareness thing. See, you don't think of Jared Jack when you think shoe collector. When you think a short man that could jump, you think Nate Robinson. This is a branding awareness <laughs> victory. But I mean, to be to be serious, right? You think about the kind of players that, that Kevin Garnett has had to deal with, the kind of point guards that he had to play with. I think his best seasons were with Sam Cassell, who was that traditional point guard. And I think that that is what Jared Jack is, right? And I think that's another, just a, yep. from a team fit perspective, uh, that's, that's what he does. And I think he would have he been a good fit next to KG. For the same reason that Raymond Felton would have been a good fit next to David Lee, I think uh, Jack fits the bill here. So... And you talked about guys that you, uh, you know, you're kind of running out of choices when you pick Gerald Green. I mean, there's a few guys that <laughs> would have taken over him. You didn't have Marcin Bortat on your board. Uh, you didn't. Uh, I don't think you picked Jared Jack. I would have taken Channing Fry over Gerald Green. There's a few guys. So CJ uh, Miles. I think you should give Osama minus one for the Gerald Green pick and have me win this. <laughs> that should that should how we should decide this right here. Minus one for Gerald Green. I okay. I think so. Uh, so, like I said, we we both ended, or you guys both ended at eight points apiece. Um, any final thoughts on the the top fourteen selections before we move into the honorable mentions? Just a Joe Green was fine. <laughs> it was just a weak draft after the first few guys, um, and a lot of injuries in this draft for certain guys that maybe their career was you know could have been more if they had those injuries, but. Yeah, just a pretty weak, weak class. 
yeah, it's it's a good role player draft. Like you scroll down the names, you're like, okay, I remember him. He was okay. He's okay. Even like, you know, Andrew Bogut. So he's he's a starter, but he's still a role player. Danny Granger. I mean, for some at some points in his career, he was he was pretty good, but overall, nothing too special. He's one time All Star, good for him. Um, so yeah, it's a good role player draft, but it is super top heavy once you get past the top two, pretty much. So. Um, all right, so we'll move on to honorable mentions. Is there anyone that you guys had on your bubble that you maybe would have thrown in? So we'll, we'll start with Sam. Anybody that you had on your honorable mentions? Yeah, Marcin Gortat. Um, he looks like a sorcerer. That's why I. Um, that's the only thing I got on him. He just looks like a sorcerer or a pharaoh. Uh, and C.J. Miles. Um, yeah. All right, so Mon, who did you have as your honorable mentions? Yeah, CJ Miles was on there for me, Nate Robinson, and then Channing Fry as well. So those guys were all in the mix there in the at the end of the lottery for me, but just didn't take them. Um, Gerald Green, not an honorable mention. Wouldn't be even close <laughs> to an honorable mention here for me. Dishonorable <laughs> mention. He's a dishonorable mention. Sure, I'll give you that. <laughs> but yeah, all right, those so, were honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all fair, uh, I think. There was some a nice variation in the picks, which I appreciated. So in our next segment, we'll talk about some of the guys that did not survive the redraft. So, I mean, the top five, top six all made it in, uh, which is pretty uh, unusual, I'll say, with, with our – maybe it just speaks to how bad the rest of the draft is, but I think from the rest of the uh, redrafts we've done, there's been quite a few big busts in the top six. Um, you can maybe call you know Martel Webster a bust, but at least he played for a long time in the NBA. Uh, I think the first one was Charlie Villanueva. What was it about him that, uh, you know, makes him a kind of a bust and, you know, let him not survive in the redraft? He just wasn't good. The other guys were better. Yeah. I think other guys were better. I mean, people, I I think he was even like, people called him a cancer, right? To the locker room and things like that. So, I mean, they did not call. Him. <laughs> I, I swear, some people was... used to call. He was like a cancer in the lot. Someone used to say something. No, like no, that no, no. This, I, yeah. this is hilarious. You're, you're, you're going to get canceled, so man. That's what's going to happen. No, gonna... no, listen, listen, listen. You're, you're Am I mixing something up here? Yeah, yeah you're. I'm misremembering. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So, is it because he, he was alopecia. bald and people thought he had cancer? Is that what it was? He's not just know. bald. He has alopecia, so he has yes. no body hair. So he has no eyebrows as well. Yes, yes, that's right. Kevin Garnett, when he was called him a cancer. Yes. No, no, no. He called him a cancer patient. He said, you look like cancer a cancer patient. patient. Yes, yes, yes. That's you know, right. Kevin Garnett, Garnett with his famous trash talk. And then when asked after the game about the trash talk, KG tries to bullshit and say, uh, no, I was saying that he's a cancer to this team. Which okay. Is absolutely All right. Not See, I remember bits and pieces say. of it, but not the whole thing. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, that's a KG thing to say. But anyways, he was just not good enough. Didn't put up numbers, and I don't even know why KG wasted time talking trash to this guy. Well, that's just what KG does. I mean, did you hear the story about uh, KG and uh, Joakim Noah? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's just K- what he does. I mean, KG He's... would talk trash to anybody, right? So Exactly. That's just kind of his thing. Uh, so the next guy is is Channing Fry. Uh, he did not survive the redraft. Samuel, why did you not have him in your lottery? Uh, just defensively, um, I thought that, you know, Ilyasova just took his place in the draft. Um, that was a huge thing for me. There were a lot of similar players. Um, I, I put Gerald Green in because backcourt depth shooting. I know he wasn't a great pick, um, but that's just, you know, th- that's what I went with. I, I saw that his game aged well um, get with the evolution of the three-point shot. So I just left Channing Fry out. Okay. Uh, the next guy I don't think we have to talk much about, but uh, Ike Yogu, ninth overall to the Warriors. He just he's done. It was just that simple. Yeah, he just wasn't very good. He was terrible. He was he's right. wasting his time playing video games. That's what I. Oh, there you go. Okay, you go. Uh, and then eleventh overall, uh, Fran Vasquez. Uh, someone, why do you think he did not survive the redraft? Uh, he just wasn't very good. I I mean I don't even know how long he survived in the NBA. Maybe it was in more than two, three years, I can't remember, but he was just not very good of a player, didn't put up much numbers, didn't play a lot, um, so wouldn't even consider drafting him. 
he actually does not have any stats on basketball reference. Wow. So I don't okay. Think he played at all. <laughs> there you go. So, so I don't think he played at all. Yeah. I was like, I don't remember him playing, but I can't. I can't imagine he lasted more than two years in the league. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, the next guy, Yaroslav Korolev. Samuel, what happened with him? He only played 168 minutes. That's what happened. Okay. Enough said. Uh, Sean May. So, Mon, what happened with him? I think he was just undersized, right? Yeah, I think. I think maybe Sean May plays in today's NBA. He's a better player, but at that time, he's undersized. He's a little overweight. He's not really in shape, kind of, you know, was kind of the knocks on him. And so he just doesn't really survive in that, you know, big man era there in the NBA. But maybe in today's NBA, if he gets a little bit more in shape and he runs the floor and things like that, maybe he's a little better in this era. Yeah, he's like, he he's, reminds me a lot of just that the typical undersized big man in college that we see that like you can dominate when you're in college but if you don't have a real like discernible skill or an athletic advantage then you're not going to do anything at, at the pro level uh who was the other guy that white kid from from north carolina uh, kind of looked like bart simpson i'm totally blanking on his name uh but it's it's a similar vibe right if you're undersized you're kind of a tweener and then Cole you end Aldridge? up you're talking about no, Cole Aldridge? No, no. It doesn't matter. Oh. It, he's Henry Ellison. <laughs> I'm just throwing out white guys that I know. Right? Just name the Plumlee brothers and probably end up yeah. on one of them. Uh, okay. And then uh, Rashad McCants. He was the last pick in the lottery. Uh, Samo, what happened with him? Bart Simpson was Tyler Hansborough, by the way. Yes. Um, thank you. There you go. I, yeah. I was going to say Heller or something like that, but yeah, Hansborough. There you go. Yeah, Rashad McCants, uh, he struggled with some injuries early on, and he just wasn't good enough. He bounced around, uh, couldn't make a practice squad, I think, for like the Mavericks one year or something like that, and that was the end of him. He just didn't live up to the hype. Yeah, he had one good year, and that was, again, why he's memorable to me is for, for fantasy reasons. He played, uh, you know, in 07, 08, he had his highest, you know, career highs, 15 points, three assists, three rebounds and he was just kind of a, a nice bit part player but yeah never lived up to being a lottery pick and was out of the league after five years so that is unfortunate all right so that is it for our show today guys thank you both for your selections um again it ended at a tie which is kind of boring i know this is uh, basketball and not soccer no but no i won right Colin, because <laughs> i won right because osama drafted gerald green and he gets minus one for that right if you get minus 10 for that one, you win uh, 8 to uh, minus 2. I just don't get it. Heat check, baby. Heat check. Heat check. Maybe, maybe, maybe I would have picked him, picked him last. But, yeah, I just don't see it. Uh, but, yeah, thanks, all, thanks, guys. Appreciate your time today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for checking us out. Make sure to follow us on all the major social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, of course, you can find us on all of the major podcasting platforms. So make sure to... Uh, follow, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review. Thanks, everybody.